Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Without Context podcast, episode 16. I am once again joined by Decavolti and Anxiety Lasagna. And today we have an episode that I think most of us will appreciate, uh, having grown up in this age of game consoles to some degree. Uh, you clearly know by the title, but today we're talking about the PlayStation 2, which to many would probably be considered one of the most important game consoles to ever have been released, just in terms of franchises, in terms of tech, putting Sony really on the map after the PlayStation 1. This is definitely what, like, it's Nintendo was really the starting, like, console that did it, but in recent years, it's been Xbox, PlayStation kind of dominating uh, the market. And I think it all kind of started here. So as we do with these... uh certain topics give you guys a brief rundown of the playstation 2 especially if you're one of our younger listeners who weren't born when this console was out and that just really sets in that we're old as fuck <laughs> so i will say in my job the like year of birth for all the students i'm looking at is in this sweet spot of like 0204 yeah and that it's... gives me like existential dread <laughs> They they played the PlayStation 3. In two days from this episode coming out, I turned 32. So, ooh. Happy birthday to Sharky. Uh, but yeah, so a uh, brief rundown. It is a uh, sixth generation console. It came out the same uh, console generation as the Dreamcast and the GameCube, both of which deserve their own episodes, including the Dreamcast, because how could you have such a misfire of a console? <laughs> Uh, and the Xbox. So GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox was this console generation, and that's like the heavy hitter console generation, I would say. Uh, it was announced in 1999. Uh, it offered the backwards compatibility for PS1, which was a big thing. You could play your PS1 games on your PS2, so you didn't lose your entire game library if you wanted to upgrade. And I think it discontinued in... Uh, 2013, finally, like they stopped producing models, at least in Japan in 2013. I think America stopped in, what, 2008, because the PS3 was announced in 2006. And I, I want to I point out before we continue, I had PS2s, fucking A, I had yeah. PS2s at my Walmart for years, years. Yeah. They were 30 bucks, so I'd buy the fucking PlayStation 2. But, uh, and even repair services for the system in Japan uh, only ended back in 2018. So Sony really supported this uh, console. Um, without There is a lot of history behind it in terms of the actual like development, but we don't really look into the development of it. We just kind of give you guys a brief rundown of everything. So this was Sony's uh, second attempt at a console after the PlayStation 1. And it was, definitely was an improvement over it so what we're going to talk about today though is some of our favorite games and uh not just favorite games but favorite features as well uh for the uh, playstation 2 so if we want to start with deca i know you yeah. had some things about features you wanted to talk about my i'm gonna keep fighting my uh system but yeah um so uh, one of my favorite things about the PlayStation 2 that blew my mind, even though I had it previously on uh, the other system that I loved dearly, the Dreamcast, um, is I liked the internet connectivity and I liked that it was <clears throat> that it was free. And if a so, for example, if you wanted to play like EverQuest, I'm showing my age here on your PlayStation 2. Uh, you could you you would still incur like the subscription fee or whatever, but that's on the side of EverQuest. It's not on Sony's side. Um, it's just as long as you have an internet connection, you are good. You don't have to. You didn't have to pay an additional fee, which is something that is unfortunately gone by the wayside. Um, however, um, one of the other remarkable things about the PlayStation Two is that um, so many of the series is that we all know and love on our PlayStation Three. PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, on your Xboxes, on your Wii, on the Wii, on the Wii U, on the Switch, so on and so forth. Uh, they all kind of started here. Um, I have a few that I was going to go over. Um, I'll let 
I'll let Haley talk about Kingdom Hearts, but I wanted to mention Kingdom Hearts was uh, was a series that started on the PS2. Um, Devil May Cry, God of War, SSX. I think SSX stayed primarily on the PS2. Um, I think there was a game that was on the Wii, but who cares? Um, there's uh, Red Faction, Onimusha, uh, and then, of course, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the ultimate party game in this time. At this time, Guitar Hero. Yeah. Guitar you know, Hero started I, on the PlayStation 2. Yep, yeah, it was. Forgot. It was the system that was the first one, I think, to get the controller. Um, they, I don't think they had one on the original Xbox. I think that started on Xbox 360 with Guitar Hero. I also have a fun fact about uh, Guitar Hero as well. Um, so Harmonix, who made, um, who eventually made these uh, games, um, they they made a game called Frequency, which predates uh, Guitar Hero, which is it's the same concept. It's just it's still a rhythm game, but it's it's uh, it's controller based. Um, and they took that game initially to Microsoft, and Microsoft said this game would not work without a peripheral. And they're like, huh, what if we did that? And that's how Guitar Hero was born. And then the biggest oversaturation of the gaming market happened for, yep. what, seven years prior? Or seven, seven years, years after it? Plagued my entire PS3. Yeah. Um, uh, touching and, on the online uh, again, though. Uh, sure. Looking at it, there was a lot of games for it. I thought there was only, like, at least 10 like, I didn't think there was a lot of them, but you think the Call of Duty games uh, had the online capability. You had Resident Evil Outbreak, which was the f- first co-op Resident Evil game that you had. Uh, Final Fantasy XI, I think, started on yeah. the PS2 as well. And mm-hmm. stuff like SOCOM, uh, Tony Hawk Underground, you had, or Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Underground, you had the co-op feature there through online also. And the thing is, I only thought it was a few games at the time but no they apparently like supported um supported a lot of stuff which is really impressive it's wild to me because everyone probably thought that about their like the like six games that they have or however many they may have had like oh yeah i'm just playing these games it's whatever Uh, but i remembered uh i remembered final fantasy and resident evil those are the only two that i could instantly think of for playstation 2 online with the advent of the World Wide Web and it getting more and more popular and wiki lists like the ones we are using to reference uh, coming up, like you can see the sheer amount of games that are just on there. And it's it is a lot. I didn't um, even know PlayStation could have an online capability. Did like I've had that console since it came out. I had no idea until right now. <laughs> it was if you have the uh, if you have the thicker uh, PS2 model. There is a spot on the back that opens up and it's just an empty spot. That's where you slap in the broadband adapter. You know, <laughs> I, I had no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't I wasn't allowed to have anything that was above like E10 plus or whatever. If that even existed back then. I think it was just E. It was K kid, kid to adults. And I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> you can you I can watch you can watch in real time Haley's neuron activation right now. Synapses firing. <laughs> I mean, when you guys were like, yeah, the internet connection, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the games that I want to touch on, uh, Sharky actually mentioned one of them, and I mentioned the other one. Uh, SOCOM was one of the first games that I actually played on the PS2. Um, it was my first introduction to like the, the tactical-based shooter. Um, it's the third person. And the online capabilities, I was actually not bad at it online. Um, it might be the guns were like overtuned or whatever, but like I was pretty good at it. <laughs> Shoot before you get shot. Um, but I just have fond memories of that being like one of the first games that I played. I was like, oh, this is online. I can start firing at other people around the world. Fun. Um, but the other game that I really liked uh, was Onimusha. Yeah. Um, that was it is a hack and slash based in a feudal era japan um and you are slashing at demons and killing and fighting demons for reasons um, it's basically it kind of goes, 
it's basically Resident Evil with samurai swords. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually so there's a there's like a mid uh there's like the, the Resident Evil to Devil May Cry uh pipeline. Yeah. Um there is Resident Evil where it's like survival horror, gritty, you know, you run around with like your one piece and you're fighting whatever. There is Devil May Cry on the other end, which is like just over the top flashy theatrics. I believe that Onimusha was like in the middle of between these two extremes where it's like yeah. it's it's very it's fast paced and it's good action and the mechanics are easy to understand, but it's not like over the top like Devil May Cry is and it's not like it doesn't like punch you in the gut every five seconds like Resident Evil does. And that that's why it was one of my fa- it was one of my favorites uh, for the PlayStation 2. Any, any yeah. more or just, um, just those? I think I had I think I had those for the most part. Um, I mean, everyone played Final Fantasy, right? Like yeah. uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, OK, almost everyone, Haley. I'm sorry. I I know if you just limited us. Me, I probably it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It was it wasn't it's not your fault is what I'm trying to say. It's just <laughs> the the way you were brought up and that's fine it's my it's my mom's fault your your major catholic household thank you mom it, it was a uh, only 10 10 11 and 12 i think were the ps2 generation right 13 mm-hmm. didn't come out until ps3 13 was ps3 uh yeah. 10 2 was also ps2 yeah 10 2 that's right i i remember people in college showing me final fantasy 10 oh i've been calling it final fantasy x my whole life um 10 and 10 dash 2 and i was thoroughly like this just shows like where i was at with video games i was thoroughly scandalized it showed those two people like making out as part of the game i'm like just what (laughs) 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 now i watch my fiance play doom so (laughs) double chainsaw in a devil's mouth there's (laughs) the pipeline There's, There's a pipeline. <laughs> the Final Fantasy X to Doom Eternal pipeline. <laughs> it only took 20 years. It only took 20. Sorry, keep going. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I actually thought the most remarkable thing about the PlayStation 2 is even though I don't like some of them and we might get into them later on, I don't I don't mean I'm not trying I'm not going to be like argumentative. I might speak my opinion on it later. But like the games that the games that we all know and love, uh just happened to come out with the PlayStation 2 and they've it either speaks to how uncreative gaming companies are nowadays or maybe it's just a good nostalgia itch and it could be both to be honest I think it's the reliance on nostalgia to sell your yeah. game now because they're For like sure. cuz it's one of those things it's like these this was the generation before consoles started having just internet connection so stuff could be patched in at a later date. This was the last generation where people had to actually make a game stand out on its own with gameplay, story. It had to work, you know, it had to they had to be bold and have ideas with it. And you see with the PS3 and forward it's just online game, online game, DLC patches, microtransactions, just you want to play Call of Duty online here we're just going to keep doing stuff to make Call of Duty Online more interesting for you. So it's just like this was a this was a console of a lot of single player uh, experiences which we've kind of lost you know the plot of in recent years. Mm-hmm. I also have a fun fact about the PlayStation system. Sorry. Um, I have played Final Fantasy 7 on every console except for the PS5 that I've only just recently come into like acquired um just i i was and i still am kind of a major simp for that game it just it it isn't it hasn't aged super well but it definitely scratches that nostalgia itch like we've been talking about so i am that sucker that keeps buying the that game over and over and over again and i might buy remake uh when i get my next check we'll see it's it's interesting that you point out that a lot of the games on ps2 were single player because I feel like that was probably the most formative gaming console for me. Like, I feel like I was too young to really understand and grasp an N64, and definitely with, like, NES and SNES. But PS2 was when I really got into video games, and they were all, like, single-player or, like, party games. So it's interesting, because now I'm, like, allergic to multiplayer games. (laughs) That's fair. 
that is that is this that is a symptom of a different issue uh that uh we kind of touched on in the last episode yeah but um anything else to add taco or i i think i touched on everything i wanted to um yeah good games uh i think the other only other game that i thought was remarkable was uh not that i thought was remarkable but that i really liked was like uh metal gear solid 2 but yeah you can also you can also play it on the pc I'm going to touch on that one because that was my first experience with the PS2. But I want to get to Haley because she threatened us before this episode <laughs> about the game that she wanted to talk about. So yeah, we couldn't talk okay. about it. <laughs> so I'm going to make you guys wait for that one because I've been uh, I feel obligated to bring up Kingdom Hearts. So I was introduced to Kingdom Hearts by a dear friend in middle school. And like I played it at her house, and then I got she got it for me for my birthday along with the strategy guide, which was life changing. That I was like, games have strategy guides now. That's like I was playing like a grown up enough game that it had a strategy guide <laughs> that I didn't have to like subscribe to Nintendo Power to get. And I that was when I started getting in trouble for playing too many video games. Like my mom would yell at me, being like, "You need to get off that game." And between like Kingdom Hearts One and Kingdom Hearts Two, which I feel like after they made the like quality of life like UI changes and improvements in Kingdom Hearts Two, it makes Kingdom Hearts One really unplayable on the PS2. And then with with Kingdom Hearts Two, they made that unplayable at times with like the stupid escort missions. And I was like, I could have lived without these things where you have to like keep morale up and escort Minnie Mouse across a 30-foot room. Um, so it had its ups and downs, uh, introduced me to uh, Final Fantasy characters and that like general like JRPG like shoes that are too big, lots and lots of zippers and buckles that don't really have any sort of functionality sort of look. Um, but yeah, Kingdom Hearts. Haven't played three. You to play that whole series. I think you had to have like a gajillion different consoles to play it all. So yeah, uh, I played one and two. <laughs> yeah, Decker. Um, so uh, that used to be the case, but now they have the whole shebang a bang. I was about to. Buy. I was about to mention that they were like, okay, yeah. they're like, okay, just release all of it. <laughs> just release all of it onto. They're apparently coming to the Switch at some point as well, so mm. I, I will either be playing them on PC through Epic Game Store or the Switch. <laughs> I haven't decided which um, I feel comfier on, a couch or a computer chair. So, I mean, so you mentioned, oh, you, can go you, mentioned uh, you mentioned the uh, how a game becomes super unplayable compared to its sequel. Um, I was like that with The Witcher games. Yes. The Witcher 1 is unplayable compared it's, to The Witcher 2 and 3. There is a term for games like that that are made by like Euro Eastern European like game developers in that style, and it's a uh, Slav jank. <laughs> <laughs> and I I understand what you mean. I have tried to play Witcher 2. It is an unplayable game. But then you get to Witcher 3, which is like it's open world, it's an action RPG. It's third person, which I think the first two are first person. And no, I'm like, uh, it, it's like top down. I, I think top down. Uh, which one is isometric. So it's just like, okay, we did it right this time. <laughs> to be but, fair, uh, there weren't a lot of, like, the only open world games were like platformers back in the PS2 era. So like, oh yeah, there was a ton of platformers. Hard to, it's hard to knock them. But at the same time, I cannot play your product anymore. Please get good. And I want to touch on, like, that's kind of how important Kingdom Hearts was to gaming. He got in, Sora got into Smash Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's not even a Nintendo, like... He's, he's a straight PlayStation thing. 2 creation. And they were the, like, Smash Bros. <laughs> the, small, the small domino Kingdom Hearts gets released on the PlayStation 2, the big domino Sora's on Smash. Smash. <laughs> Yeah, like they were, someone was saying how like just that shot that they had to have where you see the Mickey Mouse on the end of the Kingdom Key, and someone's like, that cost them like three billion dollars to get that <laughs> yeah, license like, from Disney. <laughs> it's like it's like just to get this Mickey Mouse symbol onto this cutscene. Um, Disney now owns like a third of Nintendo. 
or I'm something. Just surprised they didn't go with just. I mean, I understand why they went with like the classic Kingdom Key, but they could have also gone with a different Keyblade and then gotten rid of that ish- issue. But I feel like every like anyone who, whether you play Kingdom Hearts or not, and you're in the games, you're like the Kingdom Key. You get it. You yeah. you've seen that symbol before. But like, if you saw like the Ultima weapon or like my favorite Keyblade, Oblivion, you'd be like, "What the hell is that thing?" But I think actually there's like different costumes for Sora. So like, oh yeah, in the second game they introduce um, drive forms, which Mm -hmm. I loved the drive forms because back in the day they were like, "Here's a magic system, Haley," and I went, "That's stupid. I'm not using that other than to cure myself and up my defense." Because like offensive (laughs) magic, to this day, don't get it outside of D and D, and. You had three different drive forms, at least. Maybe there was four. I think there was four. Because you would get, like, my favorite form, which was Valor, which you turned all red, which is my favorite color, so it was my favorite form. And you got to dual-wield keyblades and just wreck shit for as long as you had the drive bar. And then there was the wisdom form, which gave you, like, extra magic, so, like, boring. Then there was a yellow one that I think gave you, like, up defense. And then ultimate form, which was white, and you just like wrecked house. It was, it was a fun mechanic that they added, and it was better than like the summons that I did not use one time in the original game. That was a uh, the the intro cutscene of Kingdom Hearts Two is something that like fired like all the neurons in like young Dallas's brain when Roxas runs across fire with two keyblades in battles. Axel, I was like what probably 13 14 at the time and i was like this is cool as shit <laughs> like the sheer number so if hi i'm deep in i was deep in kingdom hearts lore so like there was like a cutscene you would unlock by like meaning x number of stipulations within the game that teased the fight spoilers <laughs> between roxas and riku and we spent like you knew one of them was riku but you in the original cut of it you didn't know who was the other person in the black robes and like me and my friends at school would like conspiracy theory being like who's the other person under the robe but it was roxas and then it was like it started getting too crazy when it was like i understood like heartless yeah then they're like here's this thing called nobody's which is just your name with an x in it and i'm like all right okay you still What's have the, me uh... What's the picture? It's like a picture of five different characters from Kingdom Hearts, and it's like these are <laughs> all the same person. <laughs> no, it's like these are all. It's like yeah, it's like these are all the same person. <laughs> it's like there is a fantastic <laughs> video from Polygon, um, by Love of My Life, Brian David Gilbert, where he tries to map out the the plot of Kingdom Hearts. And he says a phrase that has never left me, which was like, oh, and if you're like trying to enact your evil scheme, what do you do next? You nord a boy. Because <laughs> like, Xehanort keeps like nording people and turning them into Xehanort. And it's so stupid. You saying, and... you saying nord a boy reminded me of the Perzidi video. Aqua got norded. That's, Aqua that's got norded. <laughs> it's just, I don't, it's difficult to explain the kingdom Hearts storyline because they didn't try to explain it until like the third game <laughs> i haven't played it yet, so, so tell me not spoiling but, it it's just well it's like I, it's, it's, you go it's through like, all these games and then it's like you go through all these games and then like on the newer releases there's like the version where you play as like aqua and it's like you didn't show up until like the seventh game why are you important <laughs> to why the plot? Are you here? <laughs> like what yeah. are you doing here and it's like me trying to piece it's like me trying to piece my dnd campaign together <laughs> Uh, one of my buddies like super into kingdom hearts and mm-hmm. he was telling me he's like, yeah it really wraps up the like destiny islands trio the like sea salt ice cream trio i'm like why are there so many trios <laughs> too many trios <laughs> i was like i know sora i know riku i know kairi <laughs> and i also loved in that game which i promise i'll shut up about kingdom hearts after this um There'd be, like, really serious moments in that game, and then it would pan out, and there'd be, like, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh? <laughs> like, or, like, the fact that you're, like, having this discussion about, like, the fate of the world, and then fucking Goofy is there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's, 
it's a tonal whiplash because it's like we have to stop this guy from stealing people's hearts and it's like destroying these worlds and just like goofy and donald are next to you <laughs> so it's just like, like lap of donald's feet <laughs> it's just it's just like a tonal whiplash for whatever they were trying to do with that game it truly was astonishing how that came together like i don't know if this is true or not but like there's a like someone was saying that it's because like two people were in an elevator yes and they're like we really want to have like disney but also final fantasy characters and then Kingdom Hearts, this like bastard, like hell beast, becomes one of the most influential games of the early 2000s. Once again, small domino, the big domino. No, I think that is the. I think that someone's is like late the for actual... an elevator. Mickey Mouse fights God. <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, it was between a guy uh, Shinji Hashimoto and Harunobi uh, Sakaguchi, who was the guy from Square for a while. They were talking about uh, Mario 64 and it moved into like making a game with that kind of movement for Mario 64. So once again, tying to the 64 episode that we did and uh, Tatsuya Nomura overheard the conversation and volunteered to lead the project. The two, the two producers agreed to let him direct. And then Hashimoto and a Disney exec met in an elevator and he pitched the idea and they were like, sure. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which it's, never like, happened again in Disney history. it's just like it's the weirdest thing it's just two it's a guy from it's like it's a guy from square and it's a guy it's two guys from square talking about mario and then some guy eavesdrops and puts himself into the conversation and then they find a disney executive so i guess you can say because this idea came out of mario 64 he deserves to be in smash <laughs> so that's the most <laughs> That's the most roundabout way to get into Smash. <laughs> Just and here Ugh. and here, my boy Waluigi is continually disrespected, and Sora gets to be a freaking Smash. But I digress. Oh, Are I want to say. I actually want to go say ahead, something about ahead. Kingdom Hearts real quick. Okay, um, real quick. <laughs> one of the remarkable things about Kingdom Hearts that I like is I do not like the series as a whole, but it's it's, it's a lot to take in. But um, uh. They do have non-binary icon Hikaru Utada doing the music, so they do. we love that for them. And Simple and Clean still hits. It does. It does. Especially a... when you get the like end of the game, like orchestral arrangement of that. I sat on the floor of our like game room, <laughs> which had like our desktop and my game consoles, and just sobbed. <laughs> it was the first time I ever cried about a video game. My mom came in, she's like, you're crying over a video game? Like, yeah, I beat it. Like, I it's never art. played a game like that before. <laughs> art. art. It's art. Art. But, uh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Kingdom the story Hearts. of Kingdom Hearts can be described as a impenetrable nonsense from an yeah. outsider looking in. I don't want to have to play seven games to understand a story. <laughs> Especially Kingdom when it's, uh, it's just like. Because I remember. Parts of that, it was like they were building up one of the like Organization 13 to be like the next big bad guy, and then that plot went nowhere. So <laughs> it's like it, I and then it was what 10 years for three to come out. So it's yeah. like, and they dropped important game lore in a free mobile phone game, app, like app game. Yeah. Like you had to have played uh Kingdom Hearts, like chi squared statistical models or whatever it was which is uh, for any in academics in the, in, the, in, the, in the audience will laugh at that joke um but yeah you had to play kingdom hearts key or kai or whatever whatever it was to yeah. get important goals that you needed to play kingdom hearts 3 and i was like okay and i, I like how this game and i'll just be confused and that's okay i like how the story is so impenetrable to jump into that this is when you start up kingdom hearts 3 they give you a movie to watch called the story so far oh <laughs> hell yeah yep it's like it's either kingdom hearts 3 or it's one of the collections that have everything on it but they slapped on a movie just called the story so far that runs through the plot elements you need i think it was the i think it was the uh the the whole bundle because i do know that they've they converted like the ds game to like a yeah. cinematic yeah, uh, so is that a Kingdom Hearts two, uh, like two point two 
remix or something <laughs> like, I yeah. like here's my favorite kingdom hearts title game oh, kingdom dropping. hearts 352 over 356 over two days 0.8 the final remix <laughs> yeah the one that's actually the cinematic it's, <laughs> it's, so it's not even a game anymore it's just a cinematic it, it's just it's so stupid like the naming scheme got so dumb and my my final comment that I will drop without context. Uh, I think the boldest thing that Kingdom Hearts ever did was try and put live action Pirates of the Caribbean into that video game. And then we got that monstrosity as a result. Because that game was rated E10. And Pirates of the Caribbean was rated PG-13. So the fact that that game got put in there, like that movie got put in that game, I was like, all right, okay, ugly, whatever. On the topic of ugly, <laughs> I have like an F tier <laughs> PlayStation Two game I want to share, the, which I this want is you the guys... one you threatened us about. <laughs> no, that one's okay. a different one. I put that one at like oh, a solid. Oh, we're still we're tier. still not there yet. Okay. This is the F tier one called My Street. It was released on March third, two thousand and three, and it's like a it's like a Mario Party style game, but you um oh it had net play so i clearly just didn't understand what net play meant so that probably meant internet huh you get to uh, play it's like a sims game right yes so i would always play in story mode so you get to like design your kid and you just move to a new neighborhood at the start of the summer and you have the summer to make enough friends or you like die or something like you just get bullied at school or something ridiculous and in order to be friends with the kids in your neighborhood, you have to beat them at their mini game. And there was a girl who was like obsessed with marbles. So you had to play marbles. There was like this chemist. So you'd have to basically play Tetris, but it was like with chemical blobs. Uh, there was chicken herding to get with the country girl. And then if you wanted to be friends with the redneck guy, you'd have to race lawnmowers in his backyard. Yeah, there was also beach right. volleyball which I thought was an interesting thing that they did now looking back at it as an adult woman is that the, um, the obviously black child was like islandy and played volleyball. Yeah. Like he was in charge of the beach volleyball game. That's a choice. And I don't know if you could count the chemistry kid as like vaguely asian but he was in charge of the chemistry game so like the one almost like asian coded character was in charge of chemistry and i was like yeah so you had volleyball rc car racing marbles dodgeball chemistry which was just tetris chicken herding and lawnmowers and if you look it up you can find some truly heinous visuals from that game. <laughs> uh, I remember distinctly freaking out over the character creation thing because I'd never played a game where you could like customize your character the way that was. Like there was like color sliders and like color wheels and like you could make a truly heinous looking child and it was really fun. But their mouths did the like thing <laughs> where like their mouths moved, but it didn't necessarily line up with what anyone was saying. Um, and it's really ugly to look at. <laughs> real, yeah. real ugly. <laughs> yeah. But I loved that game. I played the absolute crap out of that game. I do not know why I liked that game so much, but I did. It got um, the uh, synapses firing. <laughs> it did get the synapses firing. And the final games, which I did threaten you guys over this one, is Tack and the Power of Juju. Um. Some of you may know this game because it got a Nickelodeon spinoff. It got I was about to ask. It got a show. I remember the show. Yeah, I remember the show. show. I never played the game. I feel the reason it got a show is because there was a mechanic and either, I think it was the first game where, like, you are the sole survivor of some very bizarre genocide of where all of your fellow tribe members were turned into sheep. And you had to like beat certain levels and acquire a certain number of items to like change them back from a sheep. And of course, like it was the early 2000s, and there was a silly mechanic of like chickens and sheep. <laughs> game. Definitely the plot's persona. Uh, I never beat the first game. 
because there were some parts of it that were too hard for my like dumb little like 11 year old hands to do but the second one staff of dreams was so much better than the original because you could go into like this dream world and it was just like it added like a depth to the game that the first one didn't have it was a lot nicer to look at the visuals are really pretty uh not as many sheep um but yeah tack and the power of juju it's great <laughs> i think one of the things about uh like you you're mentioning like some of the games look better as time goes on um so when when uh developers when a system is first coming out uh they release what's called developer kits so that they have games to come out on the system um and those are very limited tech and it it takes a while for them to innovate on that to make their games polish that's why after a certain point games will peak in a system uh because they cannot they cannot go past these the limitations of the system anymore um and that's when something like the ps5 happens um and that's why it's taking but we, we were mentioning like uh patch notes and stuff and like dlc and all of this all of these microtransactions and stuff like that and that's why it's between the ps3 and ps4 is what like 15 years or something ridiculous like that but yeah. the ps2 to ps3 is like half that i i just want to share with you part of the plot of the original game of Tack the Power of sure. Juju. Um, you get I, like you get this item and it allows you to resurrect a character that you need. An unfortunate side effect of the resurrection, however, is a severe case of diarrhea. <laughs> okay. And that's something like you're just sitting there and he's like, yep, I gotta go like shit bricks. <laughs> that sounds like PS2, I've, like platforming I've, humor. That's like, and yep. The the person who voiced Hack was Jason Marsden, which I think most people, I think that's that's his name, right? Am I getting that wrong? Am I? He's the same he's one the that guy, does it for the game or for the show. Yeah, he was um Max Goof, and oh. um oh and um fucking Thackeray Banks from fucking Hocus Pocus. I oh, think that's uh, him. he's also yeah, um, uh, Haku in Spirited Away. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, I forget the Sean Murray. I think that's his. Uh, no, the voice of Zachary Banks was different. No, Sean was... Murray was the face actor, and then the voice actor for the cat, and then they okay, overdubbed yeah. Sean Murray, so the voice would stay the same. But it was Jason Marsden. Okay, I know him Cause... as uh, McGee on MCIS. McGee. Yeah. <laughs> But We've Tag got... in the Power of Juju, I've not heard anyone talk about it, but it must have been popular enough that Nickelodeon was like, have a TV show. And when did that, that show come the... out? Uh, give me a hot second. Because... I have the wiki up. Because I, I think it was sometime, like, long after this game. It had to have been. Because this game came out in uh, 03. The TV show was four years later in 07. Like, yeah, it's just... Tack and the Guardians of Gross, which tells you everything you need to know about Tack and the Power of Juju. Yeah, it's just like, I, I don't understand like what four years later was like, let's take this game that reviewed average and make a show out of it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm... it literally got like, Game Informer gave it like a 6.75, Metacritic gave it a 68. Yeah. It's like decided, it's like decidedly average. Yeah, oh. it's it's an it's an average game. It says it has um one of the game's developers said that the gameplay was based on Sly Cooper, level design on Jack and Daxter, and the humor on Ratchet and Clank. Oh, right, it, was pro- it was produced by Nickelodeon. That's why it got a show. It was, it was actually this is actually a Nickelodeon like driven project. Yeah, because THQ went bankrupt. Yeah, because it was a THQ. Oh yeah, THQ bought all the or got bought out by or by their properties got bought out by different. Well, they THQ. got bought out by Nordic. The original yeah. Tack and the Power of Juju wasn't a Nickelodeon thing. Nickelodeon right. got in on the sequel. Yeah. So they could throw more money at the at gameplay mechanics, like you said, and it yeah, looked, it looks the much better. Is so much nicer and like mm-hmm. it's more well developed and like it's a more compelling story and everything. 
Yeah, produced by Nickelodeon and the producer of this original. Oh, Nickelodeon! Oh, Nickelodeon was in it the whole time. Okay, just okay. just kidding. Okay, um, so then yeah, it's probably just a matter of like, um, it is it is something they really wanted to put over as like the next big kid thing, and it probably you know decidedly average thing. I think maybe they they probably had the series because you have to do series so far in advance. They probably had the series like cooking, and then they were like, well, let's make a game out of the series that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Yeah, the first game came out October 15th, 2003, and mm-hmm. the sequel came out almost exactly a year later. So, like, they had to have been working on that sequel before they even released the first one, because it does, like, I would imagine it takes longer than, a like, less than one calendar year to create a game like that. Yeah, I mean, you have most of the assets built yeah. on the same console, so I think it was just level design and story at that point. So, and also polish on the polish on the polish, models. Yeah, I mean, if you have all the assets built, it's just kind of like drag and drop at that point. Mm. Yeah, those those are my games. Uh, also, would be remiss say uh, the reason I had friends in high school. I feel is because I had Guitar Hero and Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, Dance, Dance DDR Re- DDR is huge on the PS2. I think because uh, I can't. I don't think they had it on PS1 at all i think that dance pad controller was first on ps2 it's it's so. another one of those like you this will not sell because there's no product there's no peripheral huh funny Se- that severely <laughs> underestimate the goth population of high school in the 2000s oh no i, I was part of, i was part of that thing i would walk a mile from my house to the movie theater to play ddr all afternoon and then walk home <laughs> like when we had the energy house. to do that i got in trouble for breaking things by doing the jump stuff and stuff would fall off things my mom's like stop <laughs> playing that damn game but she liked me a... playing ddr more than the other games because at least i was exercising yeah my uh my calves were like the most muscular they have ever been in my life during that like three years of playing Are ddr you one of those people that would like lean back on that bar and just depending on the song but i was more just like just up and flowing with it i was getting to the point i was trying to do the uh two dance pad one player uh mode oh jeez! i could do some songs on but they started taking out all the arcades and everything and then you would go to one and like the dance had to be broken so i just haven't played it in years but god i love ddr so much <laughs> If you want DDR again, just go to your just go to your local anime con because they probably have a machine. Some wherever there will be anime fans, there will be a DDR machine for sure. So, either that or a Beat Mania or whatever the other one is, the pump it up, the diagonal you, button ones. You still have your padded and stuff, Haley? Yeah, it's all yeah. All I have all my Guitar Hero guitars. Like yeah. we had a, a wireless one and a corded one. Um. This gaming house is going to be sweet. Soft dance pad. <laughs> We're all at my mom's house uh, for my sister's kids to try and figure out. So oh, okay. hopefully they you will have return. Pads to just the one. Two. We had two because okay. me and my sister would play. It was the one the game. Gaming like, house she is going to be lit. <laughs> she would play Guitar Hero and DDR with me and kick my ass in certain games in my street. But she was like an ATV off-road fury kid. She was really good at racing games, and I was really good at platformers and like RPGs and stuff. So thinking yeah. versus Ungabunga. <laughs> she, I mean, she did dance and gymnastics pretty dedicatedly. So like DDR was up her rally where she could like keep rhythm and like move really fast. Now it's just like hee hee ha ha light mode, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, anything else to add? Uh, right. My first game for the PS2 was SpongeBob: Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, and that game is ugly. <laughs> And then they made Battle for Bikini Bottom, and somehow it got uglier! And, and recently they remastered Battle for Bikini Bottom, I think. I saw that. I think Super Mega played a few episodes of it, and <laughs> I was just like, buddy, why? That game was so bad. Crossovers nobody asked for. So, as somebody who got stuck yeah. into buying a PS2, because uh-huh. I didn't want to be that guy, closing i don't know if i've told the story on the podcast but I think if you i have you did on the n64 week yeah. yeah yeah just if i haven't showed up at my local like retro store it was after closing 
I asked for a PlayStation because they never had one. They had one. I got stuck into buying a PS2. <laughs> so I didn't want to be that guy. I worked in retail, so I didn't want to keep them late for nothing. Now you but, fucked uh, up. Now you fucked I up. I fucked up. Uh, so I have a list of games that I've been looking to pick up for that stuff that I used to love playing when I had my original PS2 back in the day. Uh, I think this goes back to also our Halloween episode where the PS2 was what gave us Silent Hill 2 as a game. And mm-hmm. that was like, this isn't just a game. This is like art. This is like, I'm playing through a really well-written movie. And in that same vein, Metal Gear Solid 2. Because uh, I had the N64 and the PS2 uh for the longest time and i had a friend who lived in my neighborhood and i would go to her house and we would play ps2 and gamecube uh when those were out and she had metal gear solid 2 but she never played it because she only got it for the demo disc that came in it for zone of the enders which was another uh a weird flex a weird flex like she just she wanted to play the zone of the enders uh, demo so but she was never interested in metal gear solid 2 so i was like hey uh I, like I used to just hang out there all the time, so I was like, I want to try playing Metal Gear Solid Two, and I was like, this game is cool because I liked I liked Metal Gear Solid One on the PlayStation, and I I remembered the whole unplug controller into second control port to beat the boss, and I was like, what kind of weird shit is this game going to do? Well, hold on, hold on, we got to explain that. We have okay. No. So, so also, I'm it's kind of remissed. Uh, we didn't do a PS One episode first, <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, um, well, it's Haley Month, and I'm that. picking all the topics, you did. and you I did. never had a PS1, so it's fully my fault. We'll get You're to good. a PS1 uh, eventually. Um, but just going back to it, uh, on the PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid 1 had a boss uh, called Psycho, Psycho Mantis, and he was a psychic. I heard the name. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he did was read your memory card to see if you had any other Konami games on it. And if you did, he would say, so you'd like to play, he'd be like, you'd like to play Castlevania and like all this other stuff. So that was like, what the fuck? And <laughs> you try to fight him and he just, he, he like try to shoot him and he'll like blink away or do all this other stuff. And he was like impossible to beat uh, playing normally. I think it was on, the, was it on the, was it on the back of the box or in the instruction manual? Pack me chief. Yeah, tag you. Uh, so uh, one of the other things is if you had a dual shock, the the vibrating controller, and you mm-hmm. plugged it in, he was like, "I will put your controller on the floor. I will move it with my mind." And, and it would like vibrate. Goes <laughs> off. Um, but also, um, one of the ways to get him to uh, to do that is you call Campbell like five or six times, and on 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 one of them, he's like, "Snake, what if you put your controller in the other port?" Just dead ass says that in the game breaks immersion completely. So you unplug your controller, plug it in, and the psychomantis has no idea like how to read your mind, and you play the boss fight normally. He goes, he actually comments on. He's like, "Why can't I read your mind?" So Doki Doki Literature Club is derivative of Metal Gear Solid. Yes, <laughs> games like that. Doki Doki Literature Club is derivative of Kojima. <laughs> like the man this is like what we say like he's either a genius or a madman for coming up with shit like this a little bit of both. i remember the back of the box is how you get meryl's codex number so you can call her I when did. she's in disguise as an enemy because you don't know which one is her yeah so you have to like pick up the game case and look at the back for the number and then call that on your little and i was like what's the kind of weird stuff is Metal Gear Solid 2 going to do and the only thing that Metal Gear Solid 2 did was 10 minutes in, you're not playing as Snake anymore. You're playing as a completely new character. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you did kind of pull the rug out from Unreal on that one. But it doesn't do anything else weird. Like this thing, it doesn't uh, do a, it, it doesn't do anything like switching controllers or anything like that. It just gets into this whole plot of is this mission even real? Like it's where yeah. it starts like doing like, is this a VR mission or is this a real mission? And it's like starts fucking with the weird like Metal Gear Solid like storyline kind of stuff. 
it was really like the start of the convoluted storyline that is Melgar Solid. It um, gets into a lot of the uh, uh, so one is where the, like the game mechanics are really weird because you 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 have different things you have to do you have different things you have to plug in or you know have different games on your system or whatever whatever. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, it's just the gameplay that's just really fucking off the rails towards the last act of the game. Oh yeah, when you're eventually fighting fighting a clone of yourself like in New York City on top of a giant submarine, uh-huh. it's just. Uh-huh. It gets weird after it's a certain point. For no reason. With swords for no reason. The whole segment of uh, you running around naked, just like cupping your private areas so nobody can see your junk. It. I'm like, this is where I'm like, Kojima's always been weird, hasn't he? <laughs> like, but yeah. uh, we yes, got that. Um, also on the PS2, it was the f- first game that turned it from a fighting game into the dynasty warriors that we know. And that is a uh, dynasty warriors two. The first one was just this like fighting game with Chinese, like uh, history characters. Cause it's all based on romance of the three kingdoms. But then number two is like, what if we made you feel like a hero and you pick one of these like legendary people and just tear through a battlefield of a hundred or so people and feel like a badass. <laughs> And it's like all the hack and slash uh, style stuff that it's always been. And that was just fun. Like I was kill, I would kill time on Dynasty Warriors for so many hours on like Saturdays and Sundays if there was just nothing else to do. But uh, yeah, we also had I never played Devil May Cry, but it is definitely like one of those games like the franchise is still going because of these games. And I think between the three that we got on PS2, we got one on PS3 and then one on PS4. So it like this one was just like, here's a bunch of games and now we're going to make you wait. <laughs> so, plus you can upgrade DMC onto your PS5 yeah. for free. But uh, God of War and I think like the three or four games that were on PS2 for that one, I think it was three it was, it was one and two, two were on. It was two. PSP. Two were on the PSP. Yes. Which, that's a long forgotten console. Yeah, better. It's better to be forgotten. Um, what's? I mean, you have the classic Resident Evil Four dropped onto the PS2, which is funny because that deserves its whole episode on its own because that was originally announced as a game as a GameCube exclusive. They were like, Capcom went on top when Capcom went into their presentation. It's like, hey, we're going to have all these first party games on our system. And I think somebody had to come out and tell him that it was only temporary because they had announced the PS2 Resident Evil 4 release like earlier in the day. So it wasn't just an exclusive. It was going to be on all these other consoles. Is but, Resident uh, Evil 4 the one with, like, Leon? Yeah, it's Leon saving the president's daughter. Which is, like... My date uh, with the president's daughter! It's, like, a complete, like, right turn from the rest of the series. Where it gets out it's of all the zombie... What's up? It gets really creepy at the end, too. I've just heard a lot of people say that Resident Evil 4 is their favorite Resident it, Evil game. It revitalized the series. But it also didn't go too over the top like the other ones did because i think what was it by the end of seven you're fighting like a zombified like t-rex monstrosity i Ooh. remember watching people play that online very but, uh, spoopy and then of course resident evil f- mommy resident evil 4 is like no it was six because that was the one with leon and chris and everybody in the game uh five is boulder punch yeah but five was where chris punched a boulder into lava <laughs> Chris, fuck a boulder's redfield. Okay. But uh, Resident Evil 4 was like the perfect... It was like a campy like horror movie. Mm-hmm. It was very like... It didn't take itself too seriously while also being serious when it needed to be. But like Leon had like snark to him and the plot was ridiculous and it wasn't zombies. It was like other stuff. But everybody was like over the top bad guys. And it was just fun. But the game that really did it uh really stuck around with me on 
PS2 was the Dot Hack series. There was a, a total of seven games released in two different stories. There was the first four and then the second three game, the second trilogy, which is three other games. But um, uh, as somebody who's never played the Dot Hack games, what's a Dot Hack? So Dot Hack uh, is way more complicated than I can explain it, but I'm going to try. Okay. It is basically a story of something very similar. This was the proto Sword Art Online, where people get trapped in a video game, but it, it's not without all the Mary Sueness and weird, like the weird plots. It's actually just people trying to figure out like what's going on, kind of thing. Um, but the, about Sword Art Online. But they decided to not just. They decided to just be like, we're gonna make this an anime. But the games are also going to continue the story like as canon. So it's like you have to watch the anime and then play the games and then read the mangas and then play the next set of games and watch like the next anime. And that's the full story. <laughs> it's like Kingdom Hearts, it's but multimedia. Yeah. It's multi. It's a multimedia project. But the games were the first time where I've ever seen this happen. Uh, where when you finish the first game and start up the second game, all of your data from the first game imports. So you don't have to start back from the beginning. You come in as whatever level you're in, because it's an RPG. So you come in as whatever level you're in. The story picks up where it left off. You have all of your party members that you've recruited. You have all your gear. And then when you beat two, you do the same for three, and then you do the same for four. So I thought that was really cool. And I've been trying to recreate my collection of it but i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about the last games of role-playing series on the ps2 but they're so hard to find uh but like this i have the first three dot hacks uh and i think in total it cost me like 200 bucks because they're just harder to find the fourth game by itself is like 150 if you can find it with the game the anime DVD that has an episode on it that gives you that because each of them come with a, a DVD with an episode of a standalone anime series. And in each of those episodes, they give you like a world like combination because when you go into the game, you can be like, I'm going to choose this word, this word in this world. And then an area is going to generate randomly based on those parameters. So it's like this DVD will give you this world where you can get better gear. So you want to watch the anime first. But also like kind of carried on the game story on like a side like plot. So it's like that. And it's like I'm trying to find the game, the DVD with the box and the manual because I just want to have the complete version of it. But it's just like, no, I guess I think we underproduce that. So this one's going to be more expensive and harder to find. And. It's not just that game. I think that's just RPGs in general on the PS2 because I went into my local store recently and they have a game series on PlayStation called Xenosaga. Yes. And it's like the first game's like 40 bucks. Second game's like 50 bucks. Third game is is $240. Just for $240 for a single PS2 game because they're so hard to find. And I'm like, you guys couldn't just produce more? You couldn't have just produced like the equal amount of the last games of each of these. But it's definitely one of those games that's like I never finished the first game. I watched my I watched my friend play through the other ones. I got I got hard locked in the first game where I wasn't at a high enough level to beat one of the like mid game bosses. But the save was right as the the game saved uh, auto saved itself right when the boss fight started. Oh no! So I kept dropping in, dying, dropping and dying, and I couldn't get out to not you know I couldn't get out to like level up or anything. So I was just like, shit! I've already put like 20, 30 hours into this. I'm not going to restart this game. But. That was the one that I really liked. Uh, and in recent years, as I'm putting this game 
list together and picking up stuff. I'm playing stuff I didn't play when I was originally playing. And that's like the thing based on the movie, the thing. That was actually a pretty good adaptation from what I remember. It was a sequel. It picked you were like a you're like a your military guy dropped in to pick up a McCready, the survivor at the end of the movie. But the the game had a plot that was the thing was still running around. Mm -hmm. And if you were separate from your partners for so long, because it's a survival horror game, that there was a built in like paranoia thing where it's like, hey, if you run into one of your NPC guys, um, it'll be like, hey, I'm going to blood test you before I take you with me. But if you do that, then their trust in you drops. So then there's like they're more prone to be aggressive towards you. A firefight happens and like try to shoot you or something if you do something wrong. I do not recognize the bodies in the lake. <laughs> so it's like playing through all these other games and just seeing like the PS2 had a lot of stuff that they were that they experimented with and a lot of stuff that worked and a lot of stuff that didn't work. But I mean. This console gave us a lot of stuff we still have, for better or worse. So, there's a developer for on the PlayStation Two that, uh, well, started way back in like that established itself way back in the '80s, but didn't make a game until like '94 or something. Um, but they made they had a solid line of PS2 games. And I want you to name. I want you, Sharky, see if you know this developer just by 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 uh, the games. It's the Armored Core series. Yeah, from software. From software, I just I put it together today that they did because uh, they're working today on like they have Sekiro, they have Bloodborne, they have Elden Ring that's coming out soon. They had Dark Souls. They had Dark Souls. I know them because of Armored Core and before that Kingsfield. Yeah, so Armored Core is just Dark Souls, but mech combat. But mech. It's Giant like they they haven't lost their difficulty. No, they haven't. Um, but that's, uh, I just wanted to pop, pipe that in while I was like looking up games on the on the list. Yeah, I mean, gaming right now would be so different if the PS2 wasn't as success as it was. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't have developers, you wouldn't have franchises, you wouldn't have had ideas come up. Because, I mean, fuck, we went through this whole episode without talking about like Shadow of the Colossus. Which I go. Is, is just like an art form of a game. It's like a one of a kind style game that's just so good. Even like playing the remaster a few years back, it's like this game still slaps. Like mm. this game hits all of those like good points in my brain with minimal dialogue, minimal gameplay. It's just so good. And we don't have any of that anymore. We don't. It's all boring remakes it's and remasters now remakes of those games that we loved i was gonna be like wait a minute yes we oh wait no that was a remake the guy who oh, what is it the guy who like is involved with the resident evil 4 remake broke his own nda by teasing the resident evil 4 remake so it's like okay cool so you guys are just make remaking resident evil instead of making a new one so personally i'd probably prefer that given the direction yeah. they've been going but uh yeah so Anybody have any last uh, input here? Haley's looking. Haley's really not. Haley's ready to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, well, we. Uh... I, I just think that my my fever reducer is wearing off because I can just feel like like when your eyeballs oh, start yeah. to feel hot. Yeah, we pulled Haley into recording this when she was on another cocktail of Advil and uh, leave and Dayquil. You can tell when that wore off, and I'm just starting to just like. You, just, you can you can watch the roller coaster of energy go. Because I was like looking over and I'm, I remember I see Haley like engaged and everything, and then I like halfway through my feel, I just see Haley just like. I'm super <laughs> interested. No, I'm learning a whole lot and it's super cool. And like, I have a lot of things I could talk about with your dot you're just, pack. You're just not I feeling I just feel like I'm dying. And like, <laughs> I've, oh God. Yeah, if we I, want to do a whole episode on Haley's grievances with Sword Art Online, sure. We'll get to. Um, We'll get the anime episode done eventually. I did. I did. Uh, I do recognize that you are like engaging with this because like you still say stuff every now and again. 
Um, it's just, it's just the I am literally battling sickness right now. <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. That's that's really cool. That was has Leah Kennedy right? Memo. My eyeballs are like, I am boiling <laughs> and boiling. I mean, well, I think we covered a lot of like uh, the games that were important to us, or I, as I usually do, I cover games that you know affected gaming like moving forward in some the industry in some way and then my personal favorites i like looking at the history of it more uh there are probably games that we missed that we're going to be flamed for and that's (laughs) what your job is to do in the comments zone of the enders was like a passing mention in this and i'm pretty sure that's going to piss people off i've never even heard of that game (laughs) and uh there's like a whole lot but uh since Haley's dying we're probably going to end this episode here uh, as always, you don't see me next week. I died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as always, uh, you guys can follow us on any of the links on our flow code, uh, which will be down in the description below. We'll also have our own individual links down below, as we always do. I'm we're going to get better at plugging this at the end of each episode. Uh, if you watch this episode, leave a like, leave a comment, subscribe, share it. Anything helps. I've noticed we've haven't been sharing it on our end, which is my my bad. I haven't uploaded the updated the facebook page in like the last like six episodes so that's on me (laughs) so uh but any kind of help you guys can give would be greatly appreciated and uh i hope you all enjoyed this episode and we will see you guys on the next episode bye everybody Bye.